Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk Parenting. Um, I am really excited to have on with us again Teresa Carthridge. This is her third taping. We've been talking about um, mindset, not just on your money. We started out talking about finances. Last week we talked a little bit about how your mind works. And then Teresa, um, who is a nurse by trade, of course she's going to talk to us about the physical stuff. And as she said last night, we're going to talk about pressure and sugar. Or I mean, not last night, but last time. We're going to talk about pressure and sugar. So, Teresa, I want to thank you again for joining us. Um, I think people are really getting a lot out of these things and um, these, these chats we're having. So thank you for joining us again for another episode. Yes, Barbara, thank you so much for having me. You and, um, you know, your fans, I'm just so excited about being here one more time with you. Uh, I'm really uh, quite honored. I'm enjoying these uh, as well, so I hope that I am definitely lending uh, a little bit of light and clarity. Absolutely. I think you are. Um, I've, I haven't had a lot of response yet, but that's kind of par for the course with, 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 how, we, with how we work. I, I have gotten an email or two, um, and I know that you said you've got some response on your website, so I'm really excited about that. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Okay, so pressure and sugar. Yes, pressure. <laughs> you know, you got to lean into it. I'm from, the south. I'm from the south, and, you know, we've always heard these terms, pressure and sugar. You know, when I was growing up, that's what it was called. Of course, now that I'm a clinician, I'm a registered nurse, and um, a whole lot of have a whole bunch of other certifications in healthcare. I truly understand that now what everyone was talking about was blood pressure and um, and high blood sugar. Um, and what I know now is that although those were common terms that we heard all of the time as we were growing up, and some people are probably using those terms still today, that although they seem to be commonplace, that they're really not normal. That it's not normal to have pressure and sugar. <laughs> it's, 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 that's not normal. Okay, so let's talk about maybe let, let's start with what is normal. What is because I think sometimes we, you know, many of us don't know anybody who doesn't have either diabetes or high blood pressure. So. So what is normal according to uh, medical issues? So let's change our mindset in that area to recognize, okay, if you have high blood pressure and you have high blood sugar, your body is not operating in normal things. You shouldn't need medication to to make those things work correctly. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're you're perfectly correct. I mean, of course, all of us have a blood pressure and we have a blood sugar 
And then the, the medical norms are, you know, there are these medical standards out there and norms. I mean, for your blood pressure, I, I really try to talk about it in, in very simple terms that if you see a blood pressure that there's a top number and a bottom number, let's just call it that. You know, if you're clinical, they're called systolic and diastolic, but basically there's a top number and a bottom number. The top number represents the pressure um, that your heart is pumping, the force with which, which your heart is pushing blood throughout your body when it, there is activity. And then the bottom number represents the pressure of or the force with which the blood is moving through your body when your heart is at rest. So the top number is when your, there's activity, and then uh, the bottom number represents uh, the force with which the blood is moving through your body or through your vessels when you are at rest. Um, and the medical standard right now is that the top number should really not be higher than 120, and your bottom number should not be higher than 70. Um, okay. okay. And for blood sugar, a normal blood sugar is between 70 and um, 70 and 120. So that that is a normal blood sugar, like when you're when you have fasted. So that's why most times, if you see people checking blood sugar, it would be uh, in the morning because typically you've been fasting all day or at night before going to bed because. You know, ideally there's been time since dinner and bedtime. And then if people are checking their blood sugar throughout the day, that they're checking it prior to eating, so you're not capturing, like, the sugar that is coming from um, the food. Um, but some of the myths and the thing to think about, some of the myths, that are out there regarding um, blood sugar or sugar and pressure, it, and that's really what we kind of want to talk about because we're not going to, you know, this is not a clinical session. I really want the everyday um, person to really understand what these things are and how we can actually just live better. So some of the beliefs, and I just kind of uh, pulled out like four as I was thinking about it, the myths that are out there about sugar and pressure is number one is that we think that it's normal just because these are words that we've heard like all our lives or we've always known someone in the family or someone in our circles who has had pressure and sugar. So it's like it's normal. It's commonplace. Um, another myth is that if you don't feel bad, you must not be sick. Wow. And I... And I always like to mention this because in particular in our culture and then even more particular when it comes to our men or men in general, you know, men are tough and brawny and, you know, it doesn't matter what culture. No, I don't really want to go to the doctor, right? So right. We, think, we think that because we don't feel bad, then that means that we're not sick. But that is totally not true. This is why heart attacks, high blood pressure is considered to be a silent killer because people can walk around with an elevated 
uh, blood pressure and blood sugar for that matter and feel perfectly fine and then boom the person has a heart attack and some people live but you know often we do know that people die from having a massive heart attack or having a massive stroke so just because you don't feel bad it doesn't mean that you are not internally sick so that's why it's important to go to that to that doctor's appointment at least once a year but I'm going to share with you today uh, some ways that we can actually check and help to protect ourselves at home even if you're not going to the doctor like some things that will help you know that you probably really do need to go to the doctor right um, okay. <laughs> another Yeah, go ahead. You're the third myth. Huh? I said you've given us two already, so what's the third one? Okay, so the third one is that um, another myth is that because people in the family have it, that you're destined to have it, and that's not true. Although genetics can play a part, um, what we have found is really that probably a disproportionate amount of people have high blood pressure and have high blood sugar, not because of genetics, but because of just bad habits, whether it's eating habits, drinking habits, like not drinking enough water, and then exercise. And then the fourth one is uh, the last myth I'm going to share is that because it's so commonplace um, that it's really not dangerous or that, you know, we really can't be harmed or it can't be fatal. But that's not true either because... These two, just these two, um, two things can impact our liver, which is responsible for filtering out the toxins um, in our body and in our blood. It can impact our kidneys, thus weakening our kidneys and leading us to the path of dialysis. And also a major one that I don't think is talked about so much is our eyesight. Having an elevated or a sustained elevated blood pressure or blood sugar or both can decrease our vision um, due to, you know, those nerves that are going into our eyes, them just being constantly bathed in this sugar-laden blood or high uh, blood pressure, meaning like having a sustained pressure on those vessels that are feeding our eyes. and, so, and, and that, that is so important. I, I want people to really recognize that is so important. And I am, uh, I can testify to that because it was blood sugar, high blood sugar, that affected my, my vision. So I, you know, one time I went to the doctor just thinking that my I needed a new prescription on my eyes and found out that I had a, a retinal detachment because my sugars were out of control. And I had, you know, I've been, I had been working on getting them in control, but they weren't in control. And I lost my vision, and because of that, I haven't driven in 16 years. And so it's really important for people to pay attention to that, because it does happen. And it, it's not something to play with. You've got to pay attention. You know, I, I have a, fir- a another friend who, you know, she wasn't paying any attention, and she was doing, she she was doing everything right with her food, but she couldn't lay off, you know, her cocktails, and she ended up 
losing a toe because she couldn't stop drinking. And that, 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 just that, you know, her pina coladas cost her a toe. So, I mean, it's really important to pay attention to what's going on with your body because once you lose it, you don't get it back. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it, I don't think that it's, it's spoken about so much, and that's why every time I get the opportunity to, uh, you know, to talk about these things, I like to point out, you know, that losing your vision or decreasing your vision, you know, just getting to the point to where you're having to wear glasses, it may not be age-related. You right. know, it, it may very well be. You know, hopefully it's not, but it may very well be that you have an elevated uh, blood pressure or blood sugar that has been going on for a very long time. So when it's, I'm not talking about, oh, you got stressed about something or you were really scared about something and there was just this temporary spike, but I'm talking about prolonged and it can be prolonged and you feel wonderful. You just, you don't even realize it, and that's why we're having this talk today. So I'm really excited. So those are four of the myths, um, you know, the, uh, that I would love to share, and and hopefully I have helped to debunk those already. Yes, let's hope so. So let's talk about. I think a big thing that we need to talk about, especially in our community, is diet. What are some of the things that you see? Um, that impact, you know, how we're eating. How is how we're eating really affecting not just our well pressure and sugar? I mean, let's just keep it. Let's keep it basic. You know, um, what I would like to say about that is, um, you know, I'm not a real cookie cutter kind of person. Like, and I hate to sit with uh, with uh, my patients and say, oh, you can't have this. Because what I do know is that as soon as you tell any <laughs> human <laughs> that they can't have something, that's all they want. I mean, I've taken care of so many uh, patients who are on dialysis, and, you know, they get a, a fluid restriction. And all of a sudden the doctor said, you can only drink this much water. Well, now people who weren't even drinking water really in the first place, that's all they want is this water like all day. Oh, and they get to the point where can I have ice chips because they become focused on the thing that they can't have. So I don't really want to say that, oh, if you eat pork or, oh, if you, you know, that type of thing. I What I would encourage everyone to do is to just be more in tune with what is working for you. There are blood pressure cuffs you can you can purchase now. It's so easy. Blood pressure cuffs, blood sugar monitors. I remember when I came out of nursing school, an AccuCheck machine, which is what you use to measure your blood sugar, I mean, they were upwards of 80 plus dollars. And wow. the strips and the strips were super expensive as well. But now, I mean, I tell you, you can buy a blood sugar machine at Walmart for like $19 um, and, and buy, you know, a whole thing of strips 
for probably like ten dollars that in the strips or you know what's used for the machine i mean it's like so inexpensive um they have blood pressure cuffs they have those um that will fit on your wrist they have a blood pressure cuff that will fit on your arm and you just stick your arm in there it has velcro you pull it you can literally check it yourself so i encourage everyone you know to purchase one of those and you know use it check your blood pressure if you have a history in your family of high blood pressure or blood sugar you know i'm probably going to uh recommend but you have not been diagnosed i would recommend that you check your blood sugar and blood pressure at least once a month but if you've been diagnosed like borderline i would suggest that you check it every day have been diagnosed now if you have uh, high blood sugar well you know your doctor is going to tell you how often you should check it but when we come to like blood pressure you know i recommend if you have been diagnosed and you are actually taking medication to you know let your doctor not be the lead but let your doctor be a part of your team because these days our health is the new wealth and we and we really um need to be uh the lead on our health because if you think about it if you're going to the doctor once a year or twice a year what do we do we if if we are taking medicine we get up extra early and take the medicine so we make sure that it's working really good <laughs> By the time we get to the doctor, I mean, let's be honest. And right. so we get there, and our blood pressure is perfect, our blood sugar is perfect, and the doctor says, how do you feel? And you say, fine, 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 and you're in and out of there in 30 minutes. Well, how in the world is that doctor supposed to tell everything about you and they're seeing you once every 365 days right. or twice in that time and for 30 minutes each time? I mean, that's just not... You know that's 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 nothing. So you know, I encourage um, you know us to be an advocate for ourselves, to check it ourselves, to record our readings, so that that way, when we get to the doctor, we can really have an intelligent conversation and give the doctor, him or her, a great picture of what's going on. Like, say, for instance, the reason I recommend checking your blood pressure twice a day is because most blood pressure medicines, there are some that are twice a day, but most are once-a-day medications. And we take them in the morning. And we, if you check your blood pressure in the morning, how do you know that your blood pressure hasn't become elevated by nighttime? We do know that people do have strokes and heart attacks in the middle of the night in their sleep while they are at rest. So that would be an indication that it was probably elevated when they went to sleep. But there's but you don't capture that if you know if you don't check it. So I just think that that's just an extra level of precaution to check it right before you go to bed and hey, because we can check these things ourselves. Look, they light up and everything. I tell people if you don't want anybody to know, go in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it lights up, they light up, you know. They're very compact so you can travel with them. That's, you know, those are some simple things that we could do 
um, you know, to help, to protect our health. If you have a, a young one in your life who is very active with sports, I mean, we these the our children are going and having a physical, and they go in there and what they're in there like thirty minutes or less, and and everybody's like, oh, they're young, and so they're all healthy. But you know, we have seen increased incidences of athletes out on the field playing, and before by the time they get to the sidelines, you know, collapsing, and sometimes they don't make it. I actually have a, a close friend of mine whose son was in his freshman year of college and got sick, you know, on the field and collapsed literally before he made it to the sideline, and he did pass away, you know, at 19 years old. So, you know, so it it can happen. I'm not saying that we can prevent everything, but we can certainly be in the know. And if you're checking your blood pressure at home and you see that your numbers are elevated – then that's going to signal you that, hey, you know what, especially if you're a person who's not prone to going to the doctor, you just don't want to go to the doctor until you feel like you're at death's door and all your home remedies have failed. (laughs) If you're checking your blood pressure and your blood sugar at home, you're going to know, hey, you know what, I, I might need to get the doctor involved to help me to, um, you know, get this under control. And I, I, I love that advice because I think there are things, these are things that we can do every day, simple, easy things. Take your blood pressure, write it down. Take your blood sugar, write it down. I mean, and that's something that if you do once or twice a day, it's simple, it's easy, it takes less than five minutes, and it's something that, you're doing for yourself, for your own physical piece of, for your physical body, but also going back to your mental health. If you know that you're checking those numbers and that, you know, and that things are in normal range, then you know, that's, that's something that doesn't niggle in the back of your mind and, and take up time. You know, my mom had high blood pressure. I wonder if I've got it. No, I know I don't have it because I've checked my blood sugar uh, or my blood pressure you know, a couple of times a week for the last month, I mean a couple of times a day for the last month, and it's never out, out of sync. So Absolutely. I know that my blood pressure is good. So it, it takes a worry off of you. Absolutely. You know what? You you gave us a transparent statement, so I'll I'll share one just real quick. I tell you, being a clinician, you know, us as, as nurses, doctors, you know, we're around one another all the time. So if anything's going on, hey, we just stop and look at each other and say, hey, look at this. What do you think about this? <laughs> you know, and so and we're diagnosing ourselves, and we don't really, you know, go to the doctor ourselves. And, I mean, I can take care of people all day, stick them, poke them, do all this stuff, but I really hate to be stuck. I mean, I just, oh, my gosh, I have to play music in my ears and do all kinds of things because I just hate to be stuck. So, um, anyway, I went for a very long time where I didn't actually go uh, to the doctor, but I um, had an accident walking my dogs. I hurt my knee. And I ended up having to go to the doctor. Well, I had always carried around this little list of when I finally do go to the doctor, I want to have all these things checked, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that going to the doctor about my knee just started this snowball. 
And, I mean, I went to the doctor, and I can tell you when I went to the gynecologist, I was sitting in there, and I was trembling so much. Because, see, there's there's one thing about knowing too much. And, um, I mean, you know, when you're a clinician, too, you think that you have every disease. (laughs) All the commercials that come on television, you're like, "Mm, I might have that, you know. (laughs) And I remember sitting there, and I was shaking so much that my arms were actually hitting, like, the back of the chair. And she was looking at me, and she said, well, what do you think is wrong? You know, what? I'm just thinking, oh, my God, I haven't been to the doctor in so long. What if she finds cancer? What if she finds this? And I was just, now, mind you, I didn't have any symptoms, but I just hadn't been in so long. So uh-huh. it's like that, that fear of not knowing. And she looked at me and she said, you might need to do a new profession. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was absolutely nothing wrong with me, but you know what I'm saying. So right. I think so, I, I would say sometimes we don't go because we just don't want to know. Like we want to say, like no news is good news, but it may not always. It may not always be because I I had on my list that I wanted to have a chest X-ray. Guess what? I I did have a chest X-ray, and they found that my esophagus was deviated to the left because I had a gorder in my neck, which is just an enlarged thyroid, but I had no idea. Right. And so fortunately, because I had that chest death ray, then, you know, I was able to get that corrected. So, um, you know, that, that's just a, a little, you know, hopefully that's, that's funny, but then that's real life too, you know, that, that I felt just fine. But when they did that chest X-ray, they came running out of the room and was like, are you short of breath? Are you having trouble swallowing? Are you having trouble eating? Are you coughing? Are you choking? And I'm looking at them like, um, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so we can, we, you're right. It gives you peace of mind. And once I had all of those tests done that I had wanted to have done, it has now, every year, I just go ahead and go on to the doctor for my physical, but it does give me peace of mind. And I, I think when we're talking about taking care of our physical selves, what are mm-hmm. some of the things that, as a clinician, you are some things that we need to think about when we're thinking about taking good care of our physical health? You've already shared with us, you know, taking our taking those tests, regularly and having that equipment at home that we can use, what are some other things that we can do to help us take care of our physical health? Well, I would say um, some of the things that we can do is, you know, is to to pay attention to what we're eating. Um, you know, if it, those meals that we're eating that are making us feel sluggish and, um, you know, feel tired, oh, we just got to go to bed immediately after, pay attention to that. That's not necessarily good, especially if we're doing, you know, I know that when the holidays come around, but if that's just normal practice and we're uh, finding that we're very low on energy, um, we need to pay attention to that. Paying attention to the water how much water we are drinking, uh, or if we're drinking water, you know, at all. 
I, I think we could all do with a little bit of uh, increase in those things and then our activity. So, you know, um, paying attention to how active we are, especially now, you know, in the age of information, we're on our computers all the time. We're on our phones much more than probably most of us were, you know, in our um, in our childhood. Um, we're and so we've become more sedentary. Although we're we might be really busy, so we're busy, but we may not necessarily be active. So those things are really very important. And what that will do to us, it will help us to increasing our physical activity, even if it's just walking. I'm not talking about going out and getting like a gym membership. You know, Barbara, I like to keep things really simple. You mm-hmm. know, there's things that we can do. You can get some some uh, uh, canned goods, <laughs> you know, two cans of soup out of the, out of the, or peas out of the pantry. And while you're watching TV, you know, say, look, on the commercials, instead of the you know, just doing something mindless, even if just on the commercials I'm actually going to lift these cans. You know, I'm I'm just going to be active while I'm watching my favorite show or, you know, it, going out uh, for a walk or even just walking around your house. And, you know, here in Georgia, uh, most homes have stairs. There are some ranch ones if you have that walking around, even on the inside of the house. But if you have stairs in your house, you know, making that commitment to go up and down the steps. Um, this can help us to maintain and increase our mobility, which increases, um, helps us to increase, maintain, and prolong our mobility. And the, the thing about this is if we don't, if we change our mindset and don't think about the dread of doing the activity, but think of, like, what we're going to enjoy because we're doing the activity. It can help us to continue to be able to um, participate in, in everything as we go through our life, from childhood to our teen years to being a young adult to being a parent and able to keep up with our kids and their activities to becoming a grandparent and being able to be active with our grandchildren. And then, you know, um, for traveling, um, because we might travel to an area that has uh, different terrain and um, um, different mobility requirements than what we might have at home. I've traveled abroad. Everywhere I've gone abroad, they have those cobblestone streets or their airports aren't as convenient as ours with all of the, you know, the scooters that will escort you through the airport. It's like you have to walk like some really long distances. Um, So being able to just be able to to fully participate um, in life. Uh, maintaining our health can also cause us to have fewer doctor visits. Uh, and it can help us to save money because we won't have to spend the money on um, medications. That's so good, Teresa. I, I love that. And, and um, uh, It used to be said um, you should drink eight eight-ounce glasses of water a day, but I found out that that is, that was because the average woman weighed between 100 and 120 pounds. So now the recommendation 
is take your body weight and drink half of your body weight in ounces. So if you are not one of those ladies that are weighing 120 pounds, you, you, you might have to increase your water a little bit. <laughs> oh, you know. Absolutely, yes. And the new equation actually is two-thirds, so it's even more than half. Oh, it's two-thirds now. Okay. Two twice your body weight divided by three, and that will give you the number of ounces of water that you need to drink for your body weight. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I ended up having to have surgery on my knee, and when I went for my pre you know, surgery lab workup, they were telling me that I was dehydrated. And I was like, how could I be dehydrated? I was like, oh, they're they're full of it. Because <laughs> because I was like, I drink all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But I was not drinking when I really looked at the calculation and, and calculated out how much water I should be drinking for my body weight. Now, I was probably doing a pretty good job of drinking that eight glasses of water, but that wasn't enough, really, uh, for me um, at that time. So when I applied the calculation to it, I had to up my water game. And um, so in water, not drinks that are made with water, because that's... <laughs> look, Barbara, see, I... Okay, look, it's, I not, it's not coffee, it's not red Kool-Aid, it's not orange juice, it's water. No, not crystal light, not tea, you know, not because it's made with water, but actually drinking water. And, I mean, really, when I started drinking according to my body weight, I didn't have time to drink other things. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> water. But, okay, I mean, now, I, I, there are some people I know that don't like water. So, I, I, I you know, what I've done is I, I've, I've discovered I love clementines. So, I'll take a clementine and squeeze it into the and squeeze it into the water and then I I like that the you know it's not full water it's water with a little juice in it. How, what do you feel about that? Is that okay? Oh, I think that that's awesome. I mean, infused water is is amazing. I mean, taking like some cucumber slices with a little lemon and putting that into your water. Not only is it colorful and pleasing to the eye. So it does, and because you know we consume things based on what we see. So if it looks attractive, but that or taking orange and lemon slices and putting it into your water, even if you're not squeezing it in there, if you're just putting it in there, it it makes it more enticing. Putting together a water pitcher, a pitcher of water, even if you're taking your bottled water and pouring it in there, or if you you know however you're doing it taking a pitcher of water and slicing some things like orange, uh, lemons, limes. It's just really colorful, and it does add an additional flavor um, to the water. That's really nice. But guess guess what? This is a trick I'm going to give you, uh, especially for those of us who work and we're sitting at our desk. I say go into your kitchen and take, like, you know how your your normal glasses, there's two sizes to your glassware? Mm-hmm. You have your tall glass and your short glass. Or even if you're at work and if you have, like, those bathroom cups, like put one of those, you know, on your desk. And then what you do is put water in there 
And at the top of every hour throughout the day, drink that small glass of water. Oh. You will be amazed at how much water you will get in and because it's because that little that glass it doesn't seem like a lot. If you have that tall glass and you're trying to drink that for a person who really doesn't drink a lot of water, it seems like that's a lot. But if you take that short glass and just put water in there, and then at the top of the hour, then just drink drink that, and you just go on. But be mindful and put more water in there. And at the top of each hour, you drink that glass. You will you will get in so much water. Um, throughout your day, you'll really be amazed. Well, those little those little glasses are usually between eight and ten ounces. So, I mean, that's your eight eight ounce oh, right there. So, if you're 120 pounds, you've gotten your water in for the day. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's brilliant. Now, I will give another suggestion because this is the one that really helped me. I um I get. You can get them at most of your um, convenience stores, like Seven Eleven, QT, those places. They have these big plastic ones that are like seventy ounces. And so, what I would do is I would fill that up with ice water at the beginning of the day. And I just set it over to the side, and then I would just sip on it all day. And by the end of the day, it would be empty, and I know that I had drunk my 70 ounces, and I didn't have to keep getting up and down. You know, right. so if you're if you're a person that if you work in a call center, or you you know you're you're in one of those places where you can't get up and down every hour, that's another good tip to do. To you know, you'll get the same amount of water as if you're drinking that little glass. But you'll have it there all day. Mhm, mhm. Oh, now you know when I have my little glass, I have reinforcements. I have a whole gallon of water <laughs> that I have kind of sitting to the side. But I'm not looking at that. I just kind of can lean over and pour, you know, into my into my glass. Uh, okay, um, I get you. Yeah, yeah. I get you. Um. Okay, so. We've talked about water. We've talked about, uh, I think one of the things we as Americans don't do as much as we should is eat enough fruits and vegetables. You know, I've heard that five a day, five fruits and vegetables a day. And and so do you have any tips around that? You know, um, what I suggest around the fruits and vegetables, especially for those who say, oh, I I just don't like, you know, (laughs) uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, You know, what I say is maybe you don't like what you've tried in the past. Sometimes it might be the preparation, um, and especially with vegetables, maybe it may have been the preparation or you may truly not like that particular thing, but there are so many foods out there. There are so many choices. When I started to increase my um, fruits and vegetables, what I would do is go to the farmer's market. Um, but if you don't have a farmer's market, even just the store, the local grocery store, every time you go in there, pick up one new thing and take it home and try it. 
first of all, if you just pick up one, it's not really going to be expensive. It's probably going to cost you less than a dollar, definitely less than $2. And then take it home and, you know, taste it. If you don't like it, hey, guess what? It didn't cost you that much. You can kind of like throw that out to the side. Maybe even um, I've explored looking through some cookbooks or Googling, you know, online. Uh, Because, again, when things look attractive to us, then we're like, hmm, well, maybe I could do that. And, you know, perhaps you will find like an easy preparation for something that, you know, really might be tasty to you. But try it in like a small amount as opposed to just blanketly saying, oh, I just don't, you know, and find those things that you do like and then start to incorporate more of those into your diet. One thing that I've done for myself is because I wanted to increase my vegetable intake. If I would pick a vegetable and I would go on YouTube and I would say, like, uh, let, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my, okay, how to prepare zucchini. So I went on and I typed how to prepare, how to prepare zucchini. And I probably watched 15 different people cook zucchini different ways. And one of the ways I found is that they, with a lady, she used shredded zucchini and she mixed it with a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of almond flour, some garlic, some salt, and some pepper, and she would make little zucchini cakes. Can mm-hmm. I tell you now that has become one of my go-tos? I, I, oh. I, will, I will make a zucchini cake in a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my- it's delicious. It's easy. You know, I... Thank God for bird's eye because they have shredded zucchini. And um, and it's just, you know, so, I mean, you can just find out. YouTube is so wonderful to find out how to use different foods. And because they have people all over the world, I watched, a, I watched an Indian lady make zucchini. I watched a lady in Sri Lanka make zucchini. I watched a lady in South America make a zucchini. And so they were all using different spices, you know, make, having different recommendations. They even had different kinds of zucchini. I was like, wow. Yes, definitely. And then another thing is um, that you can do is juice. You know, if you have a juicer or even if you don't have a juicer, you can make some juices just with a blender. Um, So juicing fruits and vegetables uh, can actually be really, really uh, very tasty um, as well. One of my favorite uh, fruit and vegetable combinations is apple, kiwi, and kale. And I actually got this from Smoothie King. Uh, one day, and I I asked the guy, I was like, huh. I said, well, and again, just trying something new. And mm-hmm. I said, is that good? And he said, yes, it is. And I said, well, I can tell you right now, if it's not, I'm going to complain. So we, <laughs> we, we both laughed. Um, but actually, it's very good. Apple, kiwi, and kale juiced um, together. And um, I now actually make that at home. And my husband, who's not really a big fan of a lot of vegetables, I mean, he really likes it as well. So, 
like I said, just if if you if you tried it before and oh you just didn't like it, maybe try. You know, it could be a different um, preparation. But otherwise, if you're just you're sure that that particular one is not the one or two for you, then going to your local grocery store or to a farmer's market and just walking around and looking to see what, you know, looks interesting and just trying it. I went to the farmer's market and I discovered butternut squash. And butternut squash is like really like that's that's like a staple now in my home. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, I kind of picked it up. I even took a picture of it and sent it to my mom and was asking her, what is this and how do you know how to prepare this? <laughs> but it's good. And um, spaghetti squash is actually very good, and it does look like spaghetti, um, you know, when you get into it. So, yeah, so there are just a lot of things out there. Like I said, just try something new. Buy only one. You know, take it home and and try it, and um, you know, I think that you'll definitely find some additional things that you like. Yeah. Now we here in Atlanta, we have an Asian market called Super H, and mm-hmm. I like to go there looking for vegetables because yeah, they have so many different kinds because they uh, they they oh, I didn't realize that some countries have different kinds of uh, vegetables. Like I didn't realize that there is a Chinese eggplant, a Japanese eggplant, and what was the other one? Singapore. That they have different varieties of, of, of eggplant in, in Asian countries. I didn't realize that. So I just try going to a different grocery store and seeing what vegetables you can find. Because sometimes what your grocery store carries, another grocery store might carry something different. So. Um, and checking that out. So the farmer's market, grocery stores, you know, like I usually find like Trader Joe's, um, which is a really popular one, they only carry what's in season. So if you are one of those people and you really want to do eat vegetables that are in season, you know, you might find a grocery store in your area that only carries seasonal vegetables. So that's mm-hmm. another good way of... Uh, of uh, checking out different foods. Um, and I think, too, going to a different kind of a restaurant and ordering a vegetable different, too. You know, so maybe, maybe you can go to an Indian or a Thai restaurant um, and try vegetables different there because they use different herbs and spices. And then maybe you can talk to the, you know, can the chef come talk to me about how he prepared this particular dish? You know, what spices is he using? So, you know, that, um, so there's a lot of different ways, I think, to explore your fruit and vegetable thing. So um, you have your 120-day challenge. Um, yeah. So are there some things that you can tell us about, you know, over the next 120 days, how can we physically think about, how can we change what we're doing physically? Give us some things that will help us end some habits and start some habits. Okay. Well, you know what? That is a great, great question. And, yes, we have our challenge 
that is coming up just because of the overwhelming response. We've just decided to, we're going to set a launch date for it. So if any of your listeners are interested in the challenge, the challenge is called Give Me 120, which is we are going to take a 120-day journey to where we are going to focus on the four pillars of health. That is our mindset, our physical health, our spiritual health, and our financial health. So for 120 days, there will be inspiration and um spiritual inspiration and encouragement, but there will be some tips in the other three areas on how we can up-level for 2021. So if you're interested in that, if you will visit um, IamTeresaC.com, and that's Teresa, no H, T-E-R-E-S-A-C.com, and click on the button, join the movement, and just submit your information, then we will soon be sending you information about the Give Me 120 challenge. But ways that we can up-level, last time we talked about the four Ds to success, that actually applies in every area. So first, what is it that you desire for your health? So take inventory. What is it that you desire for your health? And then number two is your decision. So decide that you are actually going to take action, you know, going into 2021. And then the third D is dedication, which is your plan. You know, your what? how are we going to achieve this? And then number four is discipline. So one, identify the, pro- the problem or whatever it is that you want to achieve, to set your goal, but it needs to be something realistic. I mean, we don't want to say that over the course of 120 days we're going to lose 120 pounds or, <laughs> or from, you know, we've, we haven't really been active at all, but at the end of 120 days we're going to be able to run a marathon. You know, that may or may not be true. That certainly can be a end goal, but maybe not for 120 days. So set your goal. And then three, decide how we're actually going to reach this goal. You know, what's going to be realistic for you? Because like I said, I don't like cookie-cutter things. There are some people who are runners, and they always have been. Um, Some people, you know, they're going to, you know, be able to start out walking, you know, a long distance. But, you know, there may be others of us that are going to have to start out with some chair exercises or maybe, you know, exercising with those cans, uh, you know, in front of the TV. But decide how you're going to reach the goal. Um, Identify obstacles, you know, because we already know what our obstacles are going to be, right? Do you have those good girlfriends who are very well-intentioned, but they're always bringing the cookies and, (laughs) you know, and the dessert and always wanting to, you know, go out to eat, you know. Identify what your obstacles are. Identify a way uh, to overcome each obstacle. I think that that's a step that we miss. Like, we'll see an opportunity to do something and we'll say, oh, you know, that's going to be so hard because, but then we don't take it a step further and say, but what can I do about it? Then, Number four, implement your plan. Be ready to implement. If you say that, I'm, you know what, 
on the commercials, I'm going to be lifting these cans, or every hour at the top of the hour, I'm going to be drinking my water. You know, set up, your implement that plan, and then establish that time frame for which you're going to reevaluate. During the 120-day challenge, because we're really going to be focused on results, every 30 days we want everybody to, like, look back and say, okay, this is what I accomplished over this 30 days, or, oh, maybe this is not working, and this is how I need to tweak it. We don't want to get all the way to the 120 days and, you know, we're still at the same spot. And um, and that's it, you know, and we expect to achieve um, victory. You know, also, though, take a look at your mindset and what's going on around you. Think of ways that you can alleviate stress because that also can impact, you know, your willingness to implement your plan, but we all know that if you actually start exercising, that helps to alleviate some stress. Wow, Teresa, I think we've packed a lot into this time. I think that uh, when we're talking about our physical health, that we're really talking about um, setting ourselves up for success in life generally because you know, if we're not worried about our health if, if, and our, our bodies are in good condition and we know it and or we're working on getting our bodies in good condition and we know it, then those are all things that are um, going to help us, you know, be able to focus mentally, be able to do the spiritual thing. So, so we've talked about financial health, we've talked about spiritual health and mental health. Um, no, no, wait, no, no. We talked about mental health. We talked about physical health. So, I, I'm supposing next time we're going to talk about spiritual health. Yes. Right. Yes. All right, so give us a little teaser about spiritual health. What are What are we going to talk about next time? You know. Um, oh, well, that's good, Barbara. Let's see. So for next time, you know what? I think that with spiritual health, oh. I don't know, Barbara, if you even want to go there, but I want to talk about pushing past church hurt. You know what? I think that's so important. I, I agree with you because so many times, I mean, God's people, you know, I mean, all of us at one point or another have said to God, your people. <laughs> yeah. you know, well, and you God, your people. And and you know what? And let me say this too. Let me. I don't. I because I don't want to leave anybody out. Let's say pushing past church hurt, but also learning to truly trust God in the midst of a pandemic, because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I think that now, even more than ever, you know, we. This is a a. It, this it's, it's an imperative. It's not only a perfect time, but it is imperative that we strengthen our spiritual uh, relationship because, you know, we're not going to church as we were, you know, in the same way that we were before. We're not meeting up. Um, And, you know, that has been a source of of stress and a source of disconnection, you know, for some. And then with all of the furloughs or talks about furloughs or, you know, threats of losing homes or worrying about, about, uh, you know, being able to continue to take care of our families, you know, now more than ever is that perfect time or an imperative time for us to strengthen that relationship with God. 
I agree. I think that's awesome. Um, well, Teresa, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us again and give us some really good insight on taking care of our physical health and getting ourselves together. Um, so I really want to reemphasize uh, some things that you talked about. I mean, you talked about getting a bl blood pressure cup. You talked about getting a, a, a glucometer so that we can test our blood sugar. You, you spoke about drinking water um, by taking our body weight and dividing it by three and drinking that in ounces. So those are some good tips that I think people can walk away from and take from this. Um, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate your taking the time to chat with us, and I'm looking forward to talking to you next time. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And, again, um, if you visit IamTeresaC.com and click on the button that says Join the Movement, uh, we would love to have you to join our Give Me 120 challenge that we're gearing up for for the new year. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Let's Talk Parenting. We have been talking with our guest, Teresa Carthron. Um, and again, if you want to reach out to her, her website is IamTeresaC.com. Thank you so much for joining us, um, and we'll talk to you next time.